0: welcome to Raffy's Roundup. I'm your host Rafi. I'm the sheriff around these parts and uh, <laughs> this is the podcast where I talk about whatever it is I want to talk about week to week. Um, if you're new to the show, I'm being optimistic assuming that you're new to the show. Um, I just kind of talk about whatever. It, it's mostly just comic book stuff, comic book movies and comic book tv shows, that kind of thing. Um, I talk a little bit about my personal life just to kind of vent a little bit And uh, recently, we just went through sort of a five-part. I don't know if it's a fiveology. I don't know if that's a term or if I just start calling it a series. But five podcasts where I talk about what I would do with Marvel Comics um, in terms of stories to tell. And uh, I had a lot of fun with that because I I love kind of just coming up with stories and stuff. Um, Now we're at a period where I can kind of just shotgun ideas and um, just talk about, like, different subjects every time. So that's been good. Um, I've been kind of slow on putting out more recent episodes of this podcast because I've been dealing with a lot of, um, family health problems and, uh, you know, dealing with that being sort of present for things. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been tough. Um, you know, you're not going to hear it, but there was another version of this intro where I went more into it and, uh, I I think I might've overextended myself. And the last thing I want to do is overextend. I know I already, and again, this is two sides of my brain fighting about this, but I feel like that I talk enough about myself, my personal life, without sort of breaching a threshold. I don't want to divulge everything about myself because I know that's not why you're here. Um, hopefully you're here for entertainment. Hopefully you're here to keep your ears busy while you're doing something else. Um, or by some miracle, you're actually interested in what I have to say. So, I'm not going to get super into things. Um, I will say, on, like, some some good news, I guess, um, I really should have... Okay, so, for a while now, I've been replaying some Pokemon games, right? I think since they announced, uh, what do you call it? No, actually, since the week after my wedding, I think. Um, or was it before that? No, even before my wedding. So, like... For a while, anyway. I think since they announced, uh, the Pokemon Diamond and, uh, Pearl remakes, I've been wanting to go back and replace some Pokemon games. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about, like, cool challenges you can do in those Pokemon games and stuff. So, a while back I got, I think I bought, I already had a, hmm, did I already have a DS? I think I might have given it to someone and then got it back from them. I feel like I gave it to Bennett, my brother, and then he gave it back to me? I can't remember. Anyway. I had a DS, the 3DS uh, to be specific, and I I bought Pokemon Heart Gold because I want to play through Gen Two, but obviously I don't want to play, you know, Gen Two Gen Two. If you know what I'm talking about, then you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll cut through the fluff here. Basically, I replayed um, Heart Gold, and then the week after my wedding, um, I got Pokemon Omega Ruby, which is the Gen Three remake. That way, I'm sort of leading up to the Gen Four remakes, which are uh, coming out a couple months. I think next month. I don't know. I think next month. If not closer to no, no, yeah, it might be next month. I again gotta cut the fluff. <laughs> um, but I kind of finished the Gen Three remakes a little bit early, so uh, shout out to my buddy Paul who let me borrow an emulator. So I've been replaying Pokemon Fire Red, which is a remake of Gen One. So, you know, the original Pokemon Red and Blue and stuff. Um, I've been replaying that at home here. And I've just been really nostalgic for those older Pokemon games. Um, And by older, I mean remakes of actual old games. (laughs) So, I'm just looking forward to playing more Pokemon. And uh, tying into that kind of... uh, Not last week, but the week before. Macy and I went to the flea market. And we were selling some stuff to make some cash. um, And we went with her mother... And, you know, her mom had some stuff to sell, too. And shout-out to my mother-in-law. She had a Game Boy Color. I think she got it from someone else. But she had a Game Boy Color. And I think this is a Game Boy version of Tetris. Yeah. Sorry, that's some asshole with a loud car. Um, and she gave me the Game Boy Color. So that's really fun. I'm hoping maybe in the future to find, like, cartridges for Pokemon Red and Pokemon Crystal. Um... Because that would just, like, complete the nostalgic experience to play Pokemon Crystal on a Game Boy Color. And Pokemon Crystal, by the way, was my first Pokemon game and the first game I ever kind of played by myself when I was very young. So, um, that nostalgia (laughs) and that comfort at looking at the past, which isn't as bleak as the present, um, it's within my grasp. (laughs) Soon enough, the Game Boy Infinity Gauntlet will be complete and, uh, I will be burdened but glorious purpose. I think I lost that joke along the way, and I think it's a real experience to have been part of that. (laughs) So, you know, there's been some good and bad, but, um, I'm, you know, I'm happy, generally speaking. I mean, I am. Again, trying to cut fluff here. Um, it's been almost two months since my wedding. Actually, in two days, it'll be two months, so that's (laughs) incredible. Um, and I'm very fortunate. Even despite you know recent stuff with, with family health and stuff like that, I'm still very fortunate as a person. So today uh, we're going to talk about two main subjects. We're going to talk about Marvel's What If, because as of today, which is Wednesday the eighth, um, there are five episodes, and we're going to talk about the Spider-Man films. Uh, I thought about talking about the Spider-Man trailer, but it's been a while since that came out, and I figure, you know, they're gonna, it's Sony, they're gonna put out another trailer eventually, um, I think No Way Home comes out in December, so yeah, there's probably gonna be at least one more big trailer before then, because again, it's Sony, they like to spoil their movies a lot, even if it's not a movie that they're doing by themselves, but whatever, um, I don't know, if if we have time, which we definitely won't, (laughs) maybe I'll talk about that No Way Home trailer, um, But yeah, I did something similar when a while back. It was probably a really early episode, but I talked about my opinions on each of the X-Men movies. So I thought we could do that with the Spider-Man movies, since there's a whole lot of discussion about the extended Spider-Man cinema history. Um, I really wanted to, hopefully this week, do a review of Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, I was going to see it today, again, Wednesday the 8th, so, so my problem, just real quick, <laughs> this is a fluff that might, I don't know, might be relevant. I was gonna, so the pro- my problem, right, is that I work uh, four days a week, I have three days off, on Saturdays Macy and I both have the day off so I try to spend time with her, but on Tuesdays and Wednesdays I have uh, the mornings to myself up until like 1.30, then Macy comes back from work and I spend time with her, on Wednesdays I have Justin and Connor over, it's it's my life, right? It's my life. Uh, we're halfway there. Whatever. Um, I don't know what that joke was. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, you know, that being said, I don't have a lot of... And, like, Macy doesn't want to see Shang-Chi, right? She she likes Spider-Man. She likes Shazam. She's not going to give a shit about Shang-Chi. Um, she has told me that she thinks fight scenes in movies are boring. She's the only person that I know that thinks that. Um, I'm not trying to burn her. It's just weird to me. Um, so she doesn't want to see this movie, so I'm like, okay, Tuesday or or Wednesday, I'll go see it. The problem is that a lot the theaters in my area, the earliest they'll play movies is like, um, 11 a.m., and to save her money on not paying for, like, a meter or anything, I drive Macy to work on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, so I have to pick her up. Um, so the problem Tuesday is that I had to get my car looked at, so I didn't have a car. Um... And then today, Wednesday the 8th, I I planned on seeing Shang-Chi at like 12.30. And Macy was going to drive herself to work in the morning and then drive herself back later. The problem there, 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 is that we both forgot that we planned some adult shit. (laughs) So basically we would be late to the adult shit if I went to go see this movie. So the long and short of it is, um, I think I need a calendar that's just like, attached to my hand. Well, that's kind of what a cell phone is, isn't it? You dumb asshole. Um, <laughs> so I, I couldn't see Shang-Chi today, which I'm, oh, I'm so bummed about, and I'm so upset that movie theaters don't play movies earlier. I'm upset that Disney won't just fucking stream this movie like they did Black Widow. Uh, I don't want another fucking Wonder Woman 1984 situation where I didn't have time to see it in theaters, Eventually it went to streaming, and I just missed it again. Like, I just didn't get around to seeing it because I didn't have the time. I don't want another situation like that with Shang-Chi. I know it's going to go to streaming, I think, after, like, 30 days. But, like, I don't want to wait. And I really do want to see a movie in a theater. So, I might see it Saturday, or I might see it Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Um, I don't know. But I know that I want to see it, and I want to review it, and I'll get around to it. And it's... (laughs) It's so hard living in this post-MCU world, because it's so hard to avoid spoilers, and I'm trying to avoid Shang-Chi, like the goddamn plague, which is a joke I can't make anymore. Thank you, 2021. Um, gee whiz. So, yeah, the Shang-Chi review, don't expect that for maybe another week. I really want to see it, but I just don't have the time. But, there's something I do have the time for. Something else Marvel related that, fortunately, I can just watch at home at 6 in the morning. We are, of course, talking about Marvel's What If. Now, uh, this is a series on Disney+. Plus. It is animated. Um, very well animated, I should say. And, essentially, every episode is a What If scenario based in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We don't know how connected it is to the actual MCU, uh, they've been really leading up to some multiverse stuff. Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, we call it Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, Loki, a lot of shows that have that have introduced the multiverse. A lot of movie, movies and shows that have introduced the multiverse to the MCU. So this would have show is kind of, I think, in part of that. And there's been five episodes so far. It's slated to have ten episodes. So I figure what I do is I talk about half these episodes now. And then maybe after the next four or five, I'll do another one, kind of talk about each of the episodes then. And then by the time we get to the 10th episode, I can do a full review of Marvel's What If. Um, and I wanted to do it this way because it's, so far, all the episodes are like not connected to each other. They're all like their own little stories. So, And I wanted to talk about them in that way. It's a, it's a different way of reviewing a show when every episode is in its own universe And there's no kind of carryover from episode to episode. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited to get into this. And I, let me, (laughs) so I know people have been, I think, hot and cold about What If? Because I've I've seen some people complain that because it's animated, it's childish. Um, The Hulk fucking explodes in episode three, so get over yourself. (laughs) It's a good show, um, and there's a lot that I like about it. I think there is some things that kind of get on me, um, but for the most part, I really like the show. I think it's a great idea, and I'm, I'm excited to see, <laughs> I'm excited to see some Marvel animation that isn't like shit, because a lot of the more recent stuff, like after, Spectacular Spider Man and Avengers Earth Might My- or uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, um, a lot of Marvel animation just kind of fell down the way line. They all kind of blended together, and I, I just lost interest. Um, I'm excited to see something Marvel animated that's, like, good. And, again, these would-have scenarios are really entertaining. And what's also great is that because this is a Marvel Studios, you know, project, you know, uh, a lot of the characters you see in these episodes are voiced by their actors from the movies. Incredibly. Like, <laughs> this is, like, unprecedented to to get so many powerhouse actors to come back and voice their characters. and I mean, it's, it's easier, because it's animation. You just bring uh, Jeremy Renner into the studio for, like, a day, do all his lines for all ten episodes, and, like, th- then you're done. Then you can send Jeremy back to family counseling or whatever. Um, so, like, that's an aspect I really like. And, obviously, they don't get everyone. They don't get Downey Jr. or Chris Evans or Tom Holland. Like, they don't get any of the... I stress to say superstars. I would say maybe, like, the highest of people? I don't know. It, it They don't... Like, it's weird, right? Because they can get Jeremy Renner, they can get uh, Mark Ruffalo, they can get Sam Jackson, but I guess they just don't want to pay for <laughs> RDJ. For um, some of them, I think it's a bit more obvious. Like, they don't get... Um, oh, what's his name? Hugo Weaving. They don't get Hugo Weaving for... Um, Red Skull. I think they get his replacement from Infinity War. Um, Ross Marquard. Okay, yeah. So they got got Red Skull's second actor, which is good. Um, But I get why they can't get UO Weaving. I get why they can't get um, Scarlett Johansson, both for money reasons and because Disney's mad at her right now. But, you know, they can get Paul Rudd. (laughs) That's an achievement of some sort. But they can get they can get a lot of people. There's a lot more people voicing their characters than like than like voice actors just voicing. Like like for Captain America um for Steve Rogers, they they couldn't get Chris Evans obviously, but they got Josh Keaton, who's voiced like Spider-Man, he's voiced um Green Lantern. He's voiced a lot of superhero characters before and he so he knows what he's doing with these voices. Um, and I love Josh Keaton, and, and I, and you can kind of tell that it's him when you listen to Steve Rogers talk in episode one. Um, what I didn't know about him until recently was that Josh Keaton's real name is Josh Weiner, so, <laughs> understandable. Oh, he's also, uh, one of the characters in Voltron Legendary Defender, so, love that guy. Am I missing anyone else? You know, I confuse him with Yuri Lowenthal a lot, so I think he's, I think he's done more than he actually has. Um, but, yeah, we can actually, like, talk about these episodes, um, initial thoughts just right off the gate, like, I I love this show, (laughs) I can't wait, I think they already greenlit season two, um, I I like it a lot, I think a lot of these people that have done the voice acting, though, um, you know, they they do a good job, I think some do better than others, but I think as time goes on, and if they keep coming back to these projects, they'll get better at voicing themselves, um. It's really cool, and obviously, uh, Marvel's What If? features a lot of episodes with uh, Black Panther, so it is sort of the last Marvel thing that Chadwick Boseman did before his passing. Um, there's, <laughs> there's no humor to that. Um, it's just really like, as, in, in terms of a send off, they do a really good job with Black Panther. In the first five episodes of Marvel's What If? I think he only appears in two episodes, and in both of them, um, it's spectacular. I I I really responded well with Black Panther in this show. Um, I'm wondering if I should just like list off the full cast so that we know who's here. But I don't. Mm, I mean, we we might as well, right? It won't it won't take that long, right? So we get. And I think all these characters have already showed up, um, so far. But, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll name the ones that people, like, know, right? So, episode one is the Captain Carter episode, so obviously, uh, Haley we- Hayley Atwell, who's played Peggy Carter in the movies, she had her own show for a little while, she comes back, Sebastian Stan as Bucky, uh, they get, what's his name, <laughs> what's, I'm looking at his name, so why am I saying what's his name? They get Dominic Cooper, who played, uh, Tony Stark's dad, Howard, in Captain America, the first Avenger, so they get him for Howard Stark, um, I think this is in order of when they show up in the show, so that's kind of cool, I didn't notice that, so I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, um, but this is done very well, <laughs> but, uh, let's see, who else, uh, obviously we said Josh Keaton for Steve Rogers, they get Sam Jackson as Nick Fury again, Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, he comes back, um, he's not threatening his family in this one, uh, <laughs> They get Michael Rooker to do Yondu again. And, oh, man, Rooker Rooker does really well with voice acting. He should do more. I, like, I already love his voice, but, like, hearing him more, it helps that he doesn't talk much in the Suicide Squad before his head gets blown off. Um, yeah, he comes back. Josh Brolin comes back as Thanos. Oh, my God, what if version of Thanos is so cool? <laughs> I love this version of Thanos. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Kurt Russell is Ego for a, a brief cameo. Um, Karen Gillan is Nebula. She gets hair in in this would-if version. Um, da-da-da-da. Oh, fucking, uh, if you've watched all of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, uh, you've seen the Howard the Duck cameo at the end. In the movie, he's voiced by Seth Green. So in the show, he's also voiced by Seth Green. Um, one of the guys behind Robot Chicken. He plays Chris on Family Guy. Seth Green is amazing. I love Seth Seth Green. He's, um, Scotty... In the Austin Powers <laughs> movies, Oh, uh, he's great. Um, because it's a it's an animated show and stuff. In episode two, Howard the Duck gets like a whole like at least like two or three minutes of screen time with with Black Panther, and it's crazy to think that uh, <laughs> one of the of all the people that Black pa- that that um, Chadwick Boseman's character kind of shares screen time with in What If, um, one of them is a is a duck, voiced by Seth Green, <laughs> I just, I love that, um, so he gets, he gets uh, a little bit of play, um, oh man, I'm gonna butcher her name, Dania Gurira, uh, who is Okoye, the, um, sort of royal guard in the Black Panther movies, she comes back, uh, let's see, they couldn't get Dave Batista for Drax, they did, they got this guy Fred Tadascori, who, I look at his photo, he kind of looks like a old version of Drax, but, um, that's cool, he's voiced Yosemite Sam, that's kind of neat. They don't get, um, what's his name for Peter Quill, what's his name, Chris, Chris, oh, you're probably screaming at me right now, who plays Peter Quill, it's like, with a P, right, Chris, Pratt, Chris Pratt, okay, thank God, thank you, Wikipedia, for helping me, um Mark Ruffalo comes back as Bruce Banner and I love that. In episode 3, they do this whole bit that takes place during the Incredible Hulk and they just put animated Mark Ruffalo in Edward Norton's clothing cuz in Incredible Hulk he's played by a different guy. And <laughs> it works. It's great. Um Tom Hiddleston voices Loki. They probably had him do the voice lines as he was shooting for the Loki show. They're probably like, "Hey, Tom, um, we need you to come into this room. Like, before you shoot this scene where you make out yourself, just come into this room. Here's a couple of lines. Just read them off. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Clark Gregg comes back as Phil Coulson to voice him. And I know Clark Gregg has been playing Phil Coulson on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for, like, nine years. But, um, I dropped off that show a long time ago. So it was just nice to be reminded that Phil Coulson's a thing. It was kind of like when he shows up in Captain Marvel. It's like, oh, yeah, Phil Colson. I love Phil Coulson. Um Let's see. Again, they don't get Black Widow's voice. They don't get Iron Man. Well, for Iron Man, they actually get his voice actor from, like, animated shows and stuff. They get, like, the RDJ, like, proximity. Like, the animated RDJ voice actor. Um, oh, they, they get fucking this one threw me off, because, like, I don't know why it would, but, uh, they get Michael Douglas back to do Hank Pym's voice, uh, which is great, I think he only voiced himself in one episode, I know he appears in two, but he only voiced himself in one, um, he's not talking in the other one, the other one gets mauled by a zombie, so, uh, <laughs> but, uh, that was super, it's, uh, spoilers for, for What If, but, um, I, I won't sell that off everything, but in episode three of What If, uh, Hank Pym shows up, and he's voiced by Michael Douglas, and Michael Douglas does a great job, oh, it's so good, dude, um, Benedict Cumberbatch comes back for Doctor Strange, that was a big one, I was kind of surprised by that, for some reason, he's one of those actors that I think is bigger than animation, but, like, he comes back, and I gotta tell you, Benedict Cumberbatch, Benedict Cumberbooch <laughs> in, in episode four, when he comes back for Doctor Strange, oh, he does so well, he does almost better in this episode of What If than any of his acting in his other movie appearances in the MCU. Like, they're, oh, it's so good. Episode 4 is so fucking good. Um, Benedict Wong, who's another Benedict. Uh, he voices Wong. <laughs> that just feels like it was on purpose casting. Uh, they get Tilda back for The Ancient One. Uh, they don't get Tom Holland. Mentioned this, but uh, Hudson Thames who doesn't have a highlighted name, so I guess he's not super big, um, he does a decent Tom Holland impression, he, he kind of doesn't, like, like they don't animate him to look like Tom Holland, which I thought was weird, like, the what-if version of Spider-Man's a little taller, taller than you'd, you know, think he'd be, um, and he kind of looks more like the PS4 (laughs) Spider-Man, it's kind of weird, um, they get Paul Bentley to voice the Vision again. Again, this is like during WandaVision. They're like, "Hey, Paul, but like while we're putting up your putting on your Vision makeup, um, can you just re- record some of these lines for another thing that we're doing?" Thank you, thank you. Um, John Faber comes back um, for Happy Hogan. Eveline uh, Lily comes back to play Wasp. Uh, Paul Rudd comes back for Scott Lang, which I was super happy with. I love Paul Rudd. Um, and then they get. Emily Van Camp to do Sharon Carter again, and again, it's like, hey, (laughs) we're shooting episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier, hey, Emily, we know you're you're playing Sharon Carter over here, but can you voice her over here at the same time? Thank you. Um, And then just some characters that are slated to appear that haven't shown up yet, Uh, I don't know if Clancy Brown voiced Surtr in, I'm actually kind of curious about that now. Because Surtr is going to show up, I guess, in the next episode. Because the next episode's like a, a Thor episode. I don't know if Clancy Brown voices Surter in the Thor Ragnarok, but I'm kind of curious now. I'm on his page here. I don't think he does. I don't see it in the filmology. Uh, oh, wait, voice roles? Voice roles? Yes! Okay, wow, I didn't know that um so in Thor Ragnarok the big fire demon that Thor fights towards the beginning and then the end of the movie um is voiced by Clancy Brown so that's really f- I like that I like Clancy Brown he's Mr. Krabs get that out of your head so he'll come back for Surtur oh and I imagine Surter's gonna actually like have fold like more because I think he talks in Thor Ragnarok but it's not about him so um hopefully I don't know it'll just be nice to hear Clancy Brown doing voices <laughs> Um, Don Cheadle, as James Rhodes, he's coming back, Kat Dennings as Darcy Lewis, again, pulled her off of, uh, the WandaVision set, um, this is a big one, Jeff Goldblum is coming back for Grandmaster, that's super exciting, um, Chris Hemsworth for Thor, that was kind of surprising too, like, they couldn't get Cap or Tony, but they got Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> um, Michael B. Jordan for Eric Killmonger, again, super awesome, I love Michael B. Jordan, uh, Natalie Portman is going to come back for Jane Foster. That's not that surprising because she's doing Thor 4, Love and Thundor. Um, Andy Serkis is going to play Claw again, which is cool. Colby Spaulder come back for Maria Hill. Obvious, again, has been there. Taika Watiti is going to do Korg, the rock alien man again. So, yeah, the takeaway here is that they're, like, there's only a few stragglers, and they kind of make sense. But for the most part, everyone else in this show is voiced by their actual voice actor, or voice, not voice, their actual actor from these live action movies, which is just unprecedented. Imagine if, this is a shitty comparison, but imagine if after, because they did the Kung Fu Panda movie, and then Nickelodeon had a Kung Fu Panda TV show, but it obviously wasn't Jack Black voicing the character in every episode. Imagine if they did, though. Again, not a great comparison. Um, so that's the voice cast. That's a fucking big I mean, they're all they're all credited as guests which makes sense because um, not all these characters appear in every episode i guess hold on you know who i forgot to mention who's super important to this show who i totally missed because like on the wiki if you look at this it says cast and characters there's one starring role one reoccurring which is chadwick boseman and then everyone else is a guest <laughs> um but it stars uh jeffrey wright do i even know him from anything I'm sure he's in something totally obvious. He's going to be playing Commissioner Gordon in Matt Reeves' Batman movie, so get the hell out of here, J.K. Simmons. He's in uh, Casino Royale, Hunger Games, No Time to Die. He's in one of those Bond movies, huh? So I guess I know... No, I don't know him. I will know him. I do know him now. Because he voices The Watcher, which is awesome. I love The Watcher. I've cosplayed as The Watcher in my youth. Um... And he's sort of the narrator of the show, and he does a great job. And sometimes he even appears, like, in the background. Other times he interacts, he only interacts with one character. But, uh, it's still super cool when he does it. So, again, I want to get into these episodes. I'll try not to spoil them too bad, because these are more recent things, and... I don't know. <laughs> people weren't, people aren't as sold on watching this as they are the love action stuff, so I don't want to spoil anything for anyone who's interested in the show, right? So, episode one is the Captain Carter episode. Um, it's your pilot episode. It Of all the episodes, it matches its movie the closest. Oh, excuse me. Basically, what if Peggy Carter became Captain Carter is sort of a slight variation on Captain America, the first Avenger. And I think it was smart of them to have their first episode be this because, again, it's so close to the, or the original movie. Um... The premise is so kind of, of course, like, it's not, like, a far reach to be like, yeah, what if Peggy Carter got the Super Soldier Serum instead of Steve Rogers? What would happen? Um, There's enough unique stuff for Peggy to deal with that Steve wouldn't have to deal with, so that's, you know, that makes it a bit more interesting. Um, And then the other thing, too, is, like, like, chronologically, it's, like, the earliest, which, I I mean... (laughs) It doesn't do anything for the rest of the show, because, again, the episodes are separate. But um, I just like that the first episode is kind of the earliest Marvel movie, like, in terms of, like, the date when it takes place in the universe. So that's cool. And the uh, the animation's really good. Um, They kind of make it, like... Like, you could tell this episode was, like, the one that they wanted to do first, or at least put out first, because the fight scene animation is incredible, They do stuff that they can't necessarily do in the live-action movies, which is to say, there's a scene where (laughs) Peggy Carter is jumping from fighter plane to fighter plane in the air, taking out soldiers, and it's incredible. Um, And, like, you know, they kind of rush through some stuff, right? Like, Peggy Carter kind of gets the suit and her own shield pretty quickly. Um, They do, what's nice, too, is that they use everyone that they have. Like, they use Bucky, they use Howard Stark... Um, Steve Rogers gets to get his own Iron Man armor, called, like, the Hydra Stomper, which is incredible. Um, they end up getting the Tesseract back earlier because Captain Carter is much more persistent about getting things done. So they get the Tesseract back, the, 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 what is it, Cosmic Cube. They get that back sooner, and so Red Skull has to resort to, like, using the, (laughs) using the chunk of wall that he found the Tesseract in, um, and it just gets worse for everyone. It's, it, it's, it's really funny, though. It's funny that, like, it's one of those things where Red Skull is like, I'll use this then, I'll use this to wage the war. And now I'll summon this incredible monster, and he'll help me. Oh, it's killing me. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, again, there's only a few voice lines that don't come off super well. Um, otherwise, I think the episode's perfectly fine. I like Peggy Carter as a character, um... They definitely built more on the Peggy-Steve relationship, which was nice. And, uh, yeah, it, it's very by the books, and that's fine. Like, it's it's a really good middle ground episode. It's not perfect, but it does really well with its concept, and it really utilizes its animation style in incredible ways. So that's a really good one. Um, oh, I should have ranked these. Should I rank these? Should I talk about them and then rank them? I'll talk about them, and then that's a good idea, thank you, um, (laughs) Uh, episode two, this one's super fun, because they're like, okay, (laughs) by this point, they're like, okay, you've seen the first episode, you get the concept, we're gonna do something totally different, (laughs) because episode one is like, what if Steve gets shot, and so he can't be a super soldier, and so Peggy has to do it, right, um, what am I looking for so episode two is like okay here's a scenario that's way further out there that's like, like 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 the Captain Carter thing is like if you're watching Captain America: the first Avenger and you're seeing the scene where Steve's getting into the pod and like 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 you could re- you could reason it that like the Peggy thing would happen because she's in the room but in episode two Yondu kidnaps Black Panther when Black Panther's a little kid. And so T'Challa grows up to be Star-Lord. It's, like, way further off in terms of what could happen. Like, these are two IPs that have hardly ever touched. Like, Black Panther and Guardians of the Galaxy. They've never really done anything together. Um, But it's it's great. This episode's so good. Again, it's a really nice Chadwick Boseman um, send-off, right? It's a really good um, voice performance by him uh his character in this is really good because it's it's still t'challa but he's much more loose and like free and jovial and in in space instead of him being like star lord the intergalactic bandit or whatever he's star lord the like robin hood of the galaxy like he he wants to empower the weak and it's it's because he's a natural born leader and because he's like educated he's a leader he's hopeful like he he is a king in in every sense of that word because of that like his relationship with Yondu is still really good he's a member of the ravagers including like taserface <laughs> and uh oh what's that guy Kor- Korath the pursuer who's the guy in guardians 1 who's like state your name i'm star lord who that guy the who guy um it's kind of weird that he fanboys so hard that was a weird choice but whatever um, and then this is, like, oh, it's so good, this is where Howard the Duck shows up, this is where, um, Benicio, ooh, how do I say his name, Benicio, Benicio del Toro gets to voice the Collector again, but in this version, the Collector's, like, swole, <laughs> he's, like, really buff, and he, he's, collect all these weapons from throughout, he's got, like, Mjolnir, he's got Hela's, um, magic helmet, He's got Captain America's shield. He's got all this cool stuff. Um, And he's just like a powerhouse in the galaxy and stuff. And um, Nebula shows up in this episode. And she's like a femme fatale, like James Bond-esque character. And she has hair. Which is like, I already love Nebula. So like, you could take or leave the hair. I wonder if it's real hair. I don't know. Actually, I don't even know if she's a robot in this one. I don't think I ever noticed that. In this universe, Nebula is not robotic at all. I'm pretty sure. That's why she has hair. (laughs) Um, Robots don't have hair. We all know this. Um, This is the episode where we we get good guy Thanos, which is awesome. People complain, and it's like, hey, fuck you. This is fun. Let us have fun. People are mad because Thanos isn't as strong in this universe because he's convinced not to go after the Infinity Stones because of a conversation that T'Ch- T'Challa had with him in the past. And it's like, okay, first of all, T'Challa's been, this version of Black Panther has been in space for like 30 years, <laughs> maybe 20. Yeah, we would be generous. He's been in space for 20 years. He could have met Thanos at any point, right? He could have convinced Thanos not to do what he wanted to do a long time ago. Like, it, and Thanos isn't an idiot either. If you acknowledge that he's strong and he's a super cool villain, you have to acknowledge he's a smart guy. One of the reasons Thanos is such a compelling villain is because he believes that what he's doing is, is right. And if he believes what he's doing is for the right purpose, then clearly he cares about what the right thing is. So, of course, someone like T'Challa, who was raised right by the Wakandans, who got this sort of Robin Hood mentality and, like, awareness, I think, from Yondu. Because, like, I don't know. I feel like he probably... Like, Yondu probably learned from T'Challa as much as T'Challa learned from Yandu. and their whole friendship is, like, really sweet, and I like it, and, and, like, there's a, there's a, it feels unnecessary, but there's a point in this episode where Yandu lied to T'Challa, and they have kind of a falling out, and they, they come back from it really fast, and people complain about that, and it's like, well, fucker, it's an episode of a show. We don't have two hours to dismantle and reconnect to this relationship that never existed in the actual movies, so move on, Okay. Um, but, like, the whole argument of T'Challa convincing Thanos just to, like, chill out and be cool and hang out, I love that, that's so cool, it's so cool to see a version of Thanos who's, like, a decent guy, and it's just, I like it, (laughs) I, I don't, I don't care, you nerfed Thanos, fuck off, you had so many movies where Thanos was a badass, like, and I get it. We're all we're all Thanos out, right? If Thanos shows up in the Eternals, we're all gonna freak out and be like, "No, he's dead, though. We're done." I'm Thanos out too, but just as much as this is like like a cool version of Black Panther, it's a cool version of Thanos, and I doubt we're gonna see him anymore, like live action wise. Like, just ugh, let us have this. I'm sorry, I'm getting mad at people that aren't here. Um, episode three. Episode 3 might be, like, my weakest one. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, Episode three is my weakest one. How do I... So, Episode 3, I think they call it Fury's Big Week. It's, like, the alternate thing. But the actual name is, like, what if the world lost its Mightiest Heroes? In this episode, they kind of wrap up Iron Man 2, um, the first Thor movie, and The Incredible Hulk all at once. It's from Nick Fury's perspective, um, Tony Stark is murdered, as is, like, Thor, as is Hawkeye, as is, um, the other guy, the Hulk, (laughs) like, and, and Nick Fury has to figure this out with the help of, uh, Black Widow and Phil Coulson, and it's a cool episode, again, it's from Nick Fury's perspective and stuff, um, and it's a neat murder mystery, you get to explore. Um, a lot of these other movies. Again, for me, the most exciting part was when they had like Black Widow investigated the college in Virginia from The Incredible Hulk, and that was a big deal to me because The Incredible Hulk is the black sheep of the MCU. <laughs> it's not like a I like guess made by a different studio. Other than Thunderbolt Ross, none of the actors from that movie have ever appeared. I mean, I guess you could count Abomination because he's in Shang Chi according to the trailers, I haven't seen it yet, um, but, other than Thunderbolt Ross, none of the actors from Incredible Hulk are in the MCU, (laughs) Banner got recast, they put Abomination behind a locked door, everyone forgot the leader existed, and, um, did they even get, hold on, I gotta fucking look at this now, they didn't even get Liv Tyler to come back as Betty Ross. (laughs) Cut's, Someone named Stephanie Panisil... Panisilal... They got someone else. All right. That's disappointing. Um, but that was just cool to me, because, like, they, they don't talk about The Incredible Hulk. And so, to have the, the the college from The Incredible Hulk, thought about Ross and the army show up, uh, Betty Ross is there, voiced by somebody else. Um, and, like, you see Mark Ruffalo. You see, like, animated Mark Ruffalo in... Edward Norton's clothing from that scene in The Incredible Hulk. It, and it's cool. <laughs> it's like, like, I, I kind of, like, wondered if they would ever do something like this, where they, like, reshoot scenes from The Incredible Hulk with Mark Ruffalo in the place of Edward Norton. Like, just, like, Edward Norton never existed, you know? It Because it's about the character of Bruce Banner. Um, but I always wondered if they were going to do something like this, and, and here they are, like hey, remember the scenes from The Incredible Hulk? Well, here they are again, but this time it's Mark Ruffalo and not Edward Norton. Um, so I just think that's incredible. Uh, but, like, the parts of the episode, like, the murder mystery is fun. It's a fun premise for an episode. It's a really good way to wrap up three movies in one episode. Um, they, Loki's in this one. He's used to great effect. Um, and he like, his reason for showing up is a bit more tangible, I think. Um, the problem with episode three, and I won't spoil the ending, like, who, who killed them or whatever, I mean, it, it's probably already been spoiled, but I'm not gonna divulge into it, I, I will say, I think the reasoning for everyone dying is half good, like, the beginning of the reason is good, but then, like, the logic that the killer kind of, the, I don't know, the... I stress to say innocent people, but, like, the Avengers die not because of anything they did, but because of something Nick Fury did, and even then, to get back at Nick Fury, killing the Avengers, who he doesn't know yet in this universe, is kind of stupid. It would be like if someone had a vendetta against me, and, like, they went after someone who, like, did my, like, my grocery checkout once, like, like, Nick Fury doesn't know, uh, Tony Stark as well as he would, you know, around the time of, I don't know, Iron Man 3 or Avengers 2, you know what I mean, like, this is, like, Nick Fury shows up at the end of Iron Man 1, and then Iron Man 2 has, like, more of a role, so, like, it doesn't have any huge emotional effect on Nick Fury, it just kind of makes his job harder. And the other thing too is that if the killer in this episode, if their plan was to, because the, the killer knows about the Avengers program, so like, if their goal was to be like, okay, well I'll just kill Iron Man, Hulk, and Thor, well I guess Thor doesn't really factor into it, but Hawkeye, <laughs> if I kill off these characters that um, Nick Fury has his eye on, I made sure I said eye instead of eyes, I know he's sensitive about that, um, he won't be able to make the Avengers program. Haha, uh-huh. like, th- that's so stupid, because <laughs> it's like, it's a program, right, it's like, if I slash Raffy's tires, he won't be able to go pick up groceries, haha, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, you, you didn't doom my existence, I'm fine, I'll get new tires, like, that's, I was thinking about this the other day, like, after the episode, had come, like, after I decided I was gonna do this recording, I was thinking about episode three, and I was like, does the killer really accomplish anything by killing Iron Man? Because by that point in Iron Man 2, like, the episode opens with Iron Man in the donut, right? By that scene in Iron Man 2, Rhodey has already taken the, the, the other, the silver Iron Man armor. War Machine practically already exists. <laughs> like, War Machine exists. Um, I'm sure Nick Fury could convince Sif to, like, leave Loki's side and, like, be part of the Avengers by the, like, they, they tease Captain Marvel in this episode, um, what's that, that's, like, three people, who else, who else could they get, reasonably, um, hmm. Falcon kind of exists, he's at least around, and he has, like, the flight pack, but he's not, like, on the, on the records, I think, who else could they get, I guess they could get Phil Colson, he's still around, yeah, because of this, Phil Colson doesn't die, so yeah, Phil Colson, he's an Avenger now. He's the new Captain America. No, wait. They tease Captain America, too. So fucking... Captain Marvel, Captain America, War Machine. Um, oh, who's the other guy I said? Oh, Sith. There you go. Earth's Managed Heroes. You have a replacement. And, like, Nick Fury probably knows about Wakanda. If, if Loki's a big enough threat, he can just call up Black Panther. So... Really, the killer in this episode doesn't achieve anything. Um, so that's a problem I have with the episode. The other big problem I have, and I've, I've heard some stuff about this, so, the way they kill Hulk is, Hulk's heart is expanded from the inside, and so Hulk puffs up like a marshmallow and just explodes into green goop. It's disgusting, I hate it. Um, (laughs) when, when it started, when the Hulk started puffing up, I was like, oh, oh no, why are the, no. (laughs) Because it's, It's gross, but it's also, like, I felt, like, lazy to just have the Hulk explode like a big green snot bubble, and it was silly. Like, like, one of my, like, one of the complaints people have about the show is that it's childish, and I'm trying to defend that and and argue that it's actually a mature and thoughtful show, and then in episode three, the Hulk just, oh, no, I'm getting too big, oh, and then he explodes, and I, it's like, yeah, no, if... If I was an outsider looking in, and I only saw that scene, I'd be like, okay, this show is a joke. This is, this is stupid. (laughs) I hate it. You, uh, you could have still exploded his heart without making him pop like a zit. (laughs) And apparently, okay, shout out to another podcast that is a million universes bigger than me. Um... The Weekly Planet broadcast, um... It's super good. I love that podcast a lot. They got an email from an unnamed, um... Animator from What If... And I guess the, the... The the thing is that Hulk's death was supposed to be more gory. Like, people were gonna be covering, like, actual guts and stuff. But, um... The studio had to pull back on that because it was just too gory. And, like, granted, people get cut in half by the time of episode 5, but there's zombies in that, so... They didn't want to go too hard on gore in the show, <coughs> and so instead of him exploding into actual guts, he explodes into green paste. And like again, if you can't have him explode into guts, don't have him explode at all. I probably, w- I probably still would have hated, I probably still would have hated it if Hulk exploded into like blood and gore and guts. I don't know. I just think the idea of Hulk exploding like a balloon is stupid. <laughs> but yeah, that's episode three. Conversely, on the other side of the spectrum, Episode 4 is my favorite episode so far. Um, in Episode 4, the what if scenario is um, what if instead of getting into a car crash, Doctor Strange invited his love interest, Christine Palmer, who I'm pretty sure is voiced by her, her actual... Yeah, Rachel McAdams. Um, instead of going on this car ride alone, he brings his girlfriend, uh, Christine Palmer... The car accident still happens. He doesn't break his hands, but Christine dies. And so the reason he becomes Sorcerer Supreme is because he's trying to find a way to bring her back from the dead. But by the time of the events of Doctor Strange 1 um, ending, he's kind of told that time travel doesn't work that way and that Christine was supposed to die, and he can't go back and change it. So that's the would-have scenario. And we kind of watch as he tries to do just that. He tries to use time travel to save Christine. And it's done so well. This is what I mean when I said Benedict Cumberbatch has done like the best performance of the MCU. I don't know about the entire MCU, but he's def- this is definitely his best outing in this animated show. Th- I think this is the episode you show people. If you have watched What If? and you like it, and you know someone that just isn't doesn't want to get into it, Show them episode four because it's really good. Um, I'm probably going to end up showing Bennett this episode because Bennett doesn't want to watch what if he thinks is childish. Fuck you, Bennett. Um, <laughs> uh, it's so good because he's, he's trying to use time travel to change how things went. Like, he's trying to make it so, oh, I'll take the back road. That way we won't get into that car accident. Or, no, it starts with him not going around this truck. It starts with him just sitting behind it whatever. A car still hits him from the back. Then, like, he's like, okay, I'll just go the long way. I won't take that route at all. He still gets hit by a car. He's like, okay, what if, uh, what if, (laughs) haha, the whole episode's full of what ifs. Um, he tries to, uh, convince her not to go to the party, and so they just go get pizza, but then, A guy with a gun walks into the pizza place and starts shooting everyone. So she dies that way. Um, In in one version of it, they actually make it to the party. But while they're dancing, she has a heart attack and dies. Uh, There's one version where instead of him driving, she drives. And she still gets into the accident. Like, they both still get into the accident. There's a version where he straight up just stands her up and doesn't show up to pick her up. And somehow the building that she lived in caught on fire and she, and she died that way. And he's in a bar hearing this on the news. No matter what he does, Christine always dies because she's supposed to die that day. Um, and it gets to a point where he, he takes it to an even further level. And he's like, okay, so I can't change time. So then I'll just have to resurrect her with magic. But the only way he can do that is by becoming more powerful. So... Like, midway through the episode, he goes to this library and starts summoning mythical creatures to absorb their magical power. Um, at first, he tries to do it with a squid monster, which might be the same one from episode one, which might be Shumagorath. It's a whole thing. Um, he tries to summon a squid monster, and... Um, what is it? He tries to summon a squid monster, and it, 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 it's too strong. And so he, he goes small and works his way up. He summons a legitimate gnome like, with a red hat and a white beard and everything, and it absorbs its magic. Then he goes through all these other mythical beings, like a magic fire horse, and, uh, a, like, a, a big troll monster. Like, he keeps making these circles in the ground and summoning magical monsters, and then absorbing them into himself. And as he's doing this, he's sort of magically mutating his own body, and, like, he keeps changing form into looking like a devil man or looking like a squid man. Eventually he does absorb that squid, by the way. Don't worry, he gets there. He doesn't absorb this bug, but he does steal the bug's magical cape, so he still has a cloak of levitation. Um, it's just a bit more gothic looking. Um, and it's, like, taking years from... it. Well, it's not really taking years. It's like he spends, like, eons there in this library. Like, the rest of the world, like, moves on. But he spends all this time absorbing magical creatures... Um, and just becoming a darker entity, and while he's doing this, again, Watcher shows up every now and again to, like, say something to us, the audience, and no one can hear him in the show. Like, like, uh, what is it? I'm trying to think of an example. In episode two, I think Watcher shows up in the sky and is watching, uh, T'Challa walk through, like, the wild, the, um, the fields of Wakanda or whatever. Like, we can see him. T'Challa can't. When... The Watcher talks, we can hear him, but the characters in the show can't. In this episode, episode four, when Doctor Strange is absorbing all these monsters and making himself stronger, there's a point where the Watcher says something to us, the audience, and, and uh, what is it? Doctor Strange turns around. He doesn't see the Watcher, but he, he he's like, is anyone there? Like, he had become powerful enough to sense the Watcher's presence just a little bit, which is the most involved the Watcher has gotten in this show so far. Um, again, I don't want to spoil things, but this Doctor Strange ends up becoming, like, evil and corrupted, and he has to fight and absorb a good version of himself, which they kind of do a little bit more extra time traveling for that to happen, but, I don't know, it's still done really well. The fight between good Doctor Strange and bad Doctor Strange is, like, the best fight in the show so far, because it's a lot of magical beams and stuff. They blend in both CGI like, computer-generated, um, animation, but they also, I know that's not what CGI stands for, don't correct me, um, but they also use traditional, like, uh, 2D animation, and it looks really good, the fights look really good in episode four, um, and again, without spoiling anything, um, no, I guess I really want to spoil this, can I spoil this? I'll spoil some of it, um, basically, evil Doctor Strange successfully brings Christine back to life, but in doing so, the rest of the universe is, is falling apart. It's like, um, in a video game, when you take too much damage, and the borders of the screen get darker, and then when you die, it becomes completely dark. It's like that. Like As he's making these mistakes and bringing Christine back to life, the borders of the universe are becoming darker and darker, and everything is turning. It's kind of like a even more messed up version of Thanos' snap, right? Everything's turning into blackness and fading away. The whole universe is falling apart because he is undoing something that was supposed to happen. Um, by the time um, Doctor Strange brings Christine back to life, he looks like a monster. <laughs> First of all, he looks like a fucked up Chimera Man with wings and devil horns and like a half a human face and like squid tentacles coming out of his body. He looks like a, a mess. And the universe around them is like completely red buildings are being turned into nothingness um like the ground is collapsing everywhere when he brings Christine back to life he looks like this monster and it, it, like she just screams <laughs> and she screams and she backs away and she almost falls down this hole and she's ter- it's like the whole world's falling apart and there's a monster who's trying to get her like she is in hell and last thing she remembers she died like she is in hell and she's terrified and trying to get away. And all Doctor Strange is trying to do is talk to her and hold her, because he did all of this to bring her back. Um, and it's just, it's, it's nuts. It's, <laughs> it's so well done, and it's so dramatic. And again, without spoiling things, by the end of the episode, Doctor Strange, the evil one, is aware of the Watcher's existence, and he's begging the Watcher to help him, and the Watcher won't help him. And the universe is destroyed, but the evil Doctor Strange remains, like, sealed away in a bubble somewhere. So don't be surprised if this character comes back. And also, like, there's theories going around that he might show up in Multiverse of Madness, which would be incredible. I would love that. Because, again, if I haven't made it obvious, Episode 4 is the best episode. (laughs) It's so good. If you're going to get into the show... I would almost watch that one first, so you understand just how quality this show can be at its best. Because episode four is amazing. Um, episode five is zombies. <laughs> just, just this high, this high review of episode four, and that's and then episode five, zombies. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a pitch a pitch meeting, and then right after the episode's over, right next episode, get this, get this, right. One word. Zombies. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Um, yeah, zombies. Like this. <laughs> what, what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> I watched this episode earlier this morning. And, uh... Oh, man. It's like... It's, I don't... They don't... Exp- they don't explain... Because <laughs> it comes from, um... The Quantum Realm... It's kind of set during that period of Avengers Infinity War and Ant-Man and Wasp happening. And so the premise is that uh, when Hank Pym went into the Quantum Realm to find his wife, Janet, in the Quantum Realm, she had um, contracted, what do you call it, uh, like a zombie virus. They don't explain why she got a zombie virus, what about the Quantum Realm gave her one, they don't say, like, if that just happens to everyone or, or or whatever, but she has it, she gives it to Hank, Hank gives it to everyone else, the Avengers get zombified, it's a whole thing, and I gotta say, it's smart to do a zombie episode, because it means you don't need to think about voice casting, you don't need Steve Rogers or Robert Downey Jr., why did I, I, like, mixed up between actors and character names, you don't need Iron Man and Captain America to talk. You just need them to snarl at you and stuff. Um, but Episode 5 is a good episode. It's a nice, like, zombie apocalypse episode. Um, it's got a lot of humor, so it's much more of, like, a... Um, Land type of zombie scenario. Um, a lot of, kind of, side characters get a lot of play. Um, again, you get Sharon Carter. You get... Uh, the Wasp has a big part in this episode. Um, you get Kurt, who's like the, uh, what's, what is his nationality, <laughs> European guy from the Ant-Man movies, he's also the actor that plays Poconot Man, the Suicide Squad, he gets some stuff to do in this episode, um, do 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 and you get, uh, you get Spider-Man, you get Peter Parker, and again, it's not Tom Holland, it's a Guy doing a pretty good impression of Tom Holland, his costume, his design isn't super MCU Spider-Man-ish, but whatever, I can get over it. Um, an unvoiced character, the colloquial levitation, gets to be in this episode a lot, and that's fun. Doctor Strange's magical cape. Um, he actually, like, Spider-Man ends up wearing the cape, which is really cool. Um, it's just nice to finally see Spider-Man in this this series. And, uh, he doesn't wear the mask at all, because we're living in a zombie apocalypse now, and identities don't matter. Um, kind of a weird choice. I feel like if you have Spider-Man animation, you can really benefit from having a, a mask on him. Um... But uh, he's in this episode, and he's really good. For a while, because, again, I just, I just watched this episode this morning. For a while, I was thrown off that Spider-Man, along with some other characters, um, have a lot of humor to them. Like Like, they joke around a lot. There's a part in the episode where he has, like, a survival guide and stuff. And at first, I was a little upset with that. But midway through the episode, he kind of goes into why he's always cracking jokes at this whole zombie situation. And the fact that they address it and have a reason for Peter Parker being so lighthearted and funny, um, it, 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 works. And there's still bits where he's, um, what's the word? Vulnerable, you know? Um, again, without spoiling too much, Happy Hogan is one of the survivors in this version of the universe. Um, he has one of Iron Man's, like, little hand shooter gauntlet things, um, He's in this world, and he ends up getting attacked by zombies, and so Peter Parker is, like, really upset that Happy got taken. Um, and, like, uh, like Happy, uh, Bucky, and... Uh, what's his name? Mark Ruffalo, Bruce Banner, they all play a big part in this episode as well. Um, and it's done super well. <laughs> There's also a zombie Doctor Strange in, in that episode, and it's like, oh, you should be way more dangerous than you probably are. <laughs> The whole zombie thing is done to really like is done really well. Again, the characters that they pull in in this episode make a lot of sense. Um, I don't know if this is a spoiler. Scotland get okay. Scotland gets to be a head in a jar, and it's funny. All right. Um, they use like vision and Scarlet Witch I, again. I probably shouldn't spoil these bits. I'm so I'm so bad. I'm so bad with these spoilers. Um, but yeah, the zombie episode's really good. I, I like the variety, and the kind of, uh, it's a good mix of characters that you, you'd never see these characters together. That's, that's the bit I like about this. You'd never see Winter Soldier, Spider-Man, Happy Hogan, and, like, the Russian guy from Ant-Man in the same room. And, and they get to do it in this, and it's, and it's fun, and it's cool, and this sort of zombie world is interesting. Um, the sort of home base that they have in this episode is, a bunch of subway cars that spider-man has webbed together between two buildings um, to keep them away from the zombies on the ground and like when they do have superpower like they have like the Falcon and Captain America as zombies like when they show up it's like oh these are like boss level zombies because they have powers and stuff um so again it's done it's all done really well um, <laughs> and like a lot of these episodes have some of them have hopeful endings like it's weird right uh, some of these episodes have endings that are probably bad, but there's some hope. But then there's other episodes that end hopefully, and then it's like, oh no, there's something bad coming up. In episode... I might as well point this out. I already mentioned that the zombie episode takes place around the same time as Infinity War. When the surviving characters manage to get away from the zombie apocalypse and get to Wakanda, which they have been told is the only safe haven on Earth. When they get to Wakanda... Inside the bubble of Wakanda, everyone is a zombie, and Thanos is there, and Thanos is a zombie. And it's like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Like, ooh. I think that's what I like about this series, too. Not only are they afraid to go dark, they're not afraid to punch you in the gut by the end. Like, episode four, and then episode five, and I guess a little bit of episode three, they're not afraid to be like, oh, no, things actually are worse. (laughs) Because of what's happening. Um, and we're not gonna end on a good note. And I like that. I like that a lot of these episodes episodes have cold endings. Um so yeah, episode five, zombies, right? Get this. Ready? Ready? Zombies. <laughs> um yeah, Marvel's What If, super good. I'm gonna pause and then rank these. I probably am not gonna talk about the Spider-Man movies today. <laughs> I ended up talking about what if for a very long time. Um, maybe next week we'll actually talk about the Spider-Man films, because I I do want to talk about them. And hey, if we do it that way, we might be able to talk a little bit about the Spider-Man trailer that already came out. So, I'm going to pause and come back to you. Okay, I've successfully ranked them after um, 16 seconds. (laughs) No, it was more like a full minute, I think. I like to think it was a full minute. Um, We'll start from the bottom and then work our way up, and I'll just kind of briefly sum up why I put them in the position that they're in. Um, At number five, my least liked episode of What If is, I should probably read off the actual titles here. No, because they're not as good as my titles. <laughs> um, my worst episode is Fury's Big Week, which is episode three. Um, again, I didn't care for uh, how the Hulk's death was handled. I didn't think the reason that these characters were killed off was strong enough. Um, and I, another problem, and I don't know if I brought this up, is that there need, I, like, I like the episodes that have a lot of emotion. And I feel like Fury's Big Week focused more on the mystery aspect than characters' feelings about what was happening. I understand if Nick Fury doesn't care if Iron Man dies, there's a bit where uh, a character does die that he knows, like, personally, and, like, you see him kind of be upset about it, but not enough. Like, there's not enough range there. The other problem is that as characters, like, like when Tony Stark dies at the beginning of episode three, Nick Fury's kind of like, oh, that sucks, but that's it. And I get that the episode's about him from his perspective, but I really could have used a Tony Stark funeral. I really could have used seeing Pepper Potts and Happy Hogan emotionally, like, like just ripped apart by the news of Tony dying. Because otherwise, Tony just dies and we all move on. It's like, oh, he's just a casualty of this other string of murders. But, like, I like the episodes that have emotion, and so I want to see people upset that Tony is dead. And, like, the whole reason Loki comes to Earth in Episode 3 is because he hears that Thor died. And it's, like, I can believe that Loki would use Thor's death as, like, an excuse to invade Earth and take control of Asgard. Especially because, what is it, by that point, Odin's in his Odin sleep. But, again, it would have been nice if there was a moment of vulnerability and Loki was, like, you know, I I am using this as an excuse. But, in truth, I'm not happy that Thor's dead. Like... Just something. A lot of characters die in episode 3, and I don't think there's enough emotional attention put on that. The closest you get is when Hulk dies, and Betty Ross yells at her dad about it. That's as close as you get. Um, at number 4 is the first episode, Captain Carter. Um, I put this low just because it's not, and again, this isn't a dig at it, but it's just really simple. It is just the first Captain America movie with some stuff changed. Um, it's fine. <laughs> it Again, the animation's really good. Peggy Carter is a really cool character. And the stuff that she has to deal with as Captain Carter um, differs from what Steve had to deal with. Um, but at the end of the day, it kind of... It, Peggy kind of winds up in the same place Steve winds up by the end of Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, so I don't think it's different enough, is what I'm saying. And then, episode three, right there in the middle, is the zombie episode. Uh, again... My favorite thing is the huge collaboration of characters that you wouldn't otherwise see together. Um, It's cool that Peter Parker gets to be in one of these episodes. I always love that. Um, But I think my main thing is that, like, up until Peter explains himself, you're kind of confused as to why he's so jovial in this zombie apocalypse. And it's not like Zombieland, where, you know, comedy is kind of... Like, comedy makes sense. Like, we're dealing in a universe where it's like (laughs) where uh, spider-man's mentor tony stark is a zombie and almost ate bruce banner and like again i don't think there's just enough emotional reaction there's enough there's enough that it's like number three don't get me wrong there's enough that it's not as bad as fury's big week characters are upset about what happens to to happy hogan peter parker has some, some vulnerability um And I get that the comedy is there because it's a Marvel thing, but I feel like this is one of those episodes that could have used a darker tone, and it definitely gets one by the end. Um, The other thing, too, is... I don't know. I don't know. I I think the whole zombie thing could have used just a little bit more explaining. I also think that the reasoning behind the zombie... like, Like, paranormal things already exist in this universe, I feel like you didn't need to have the zombie thing be a science fiction aspect. Like, when Doctor Strange exists, I feel like the zombieism could have been something different. Um, and again, I love Scott Lang, but he's really, really joking around in this one. And he he says it's because he's traumatized, but it's like, you don't need to make a joke when your buddy Kurt just fucking died, dude. (laughs) It's messed up. Um... But yeah, it's still a good episode. I still like. I still like. Get this, zombies, um, episode two, or I guess not episode two. Number two is episode two, which is T'Challa as Star Lord again. I just love being in the Marvel cosmic area. Um, this has the benefit of being like again an ensemble of characters that you don't normally see together, but it also has the benefit of being characters we don't see that often, which is like characters like Taserface and uh, Korath, to Pursuer, um, it gets points for its versions of Thanos and Nebula, um, Drax makes a cameo, Howard the Duck makes a cameo, and then, again, the relationship of Yondu and T'Challa is just really nice, and I like these, this version of these characters, um, the plot is, like, an original thing, it's, like, a heist, which is really fun, and, again, it just all, it all, like, chips off these boxes, I don't have anything bad to say about episode two, Um, but then, of course, at number one, this is an obvious one, and at number one is episode four, um, Evil Doctor Strange. I can't get enough of this episode. It's, like, you kind of feel like it's cut into three portions, and all three portions work really well. Um, we get a version of Doctor Strange that is undoubtedly corrupt and evil, but for good reason. Like, you kind of sympathize. Towards the beginning, you want him to be successful because you feel firm, but, like, You know he's going down this path, and it's tough to, like, watch. Like, you sympathize with him so much because he cares so much about bringing Christine back to life. And again, the performance by Benedict Cumberbatch, while this character is pursuing anything, like, breaking all the rules just to bring this woman back because he feels bad, is incredible. It's super heart-wrenching, and I think it gets across its idea super well. If you needed to watch this show a little bit, if you wanted to get into it, Episode 4 is a really good start because it's just, it's so emotionally gripping and, and emotionally gripping with a character that we barely see in the Doctor Strange movie. Christine Palmer doesn't do a lot in the first Doctor Strange movie. I don't even, I think she's still alive in the MCU, actually, but like, holy fuck, dude. It's such a good episode. I can't recommend it enough. Um, I'm definitely going to try to show this episode to people because it's just really good. Um, but yeah, that's my ranking. And again, I'm sorry if we went on for a little too long with this. Um, next time I'll talk about the Spider-Man movies. Um, and then, you know, by the time we get to episode 10 of What If, I'll either do something like this, where I talk about all five of those episodes and rank them. Maybe I'll rank all the episodes. but maybe, You know what? I'll save it for when <laughs> that. Like, when we get 10 episodes of What If, I'll do the other five the way I did them today. And then when we do the full review of What If, I'll rank all ten of the episodes properly. We'll do it that way. Um, yeah, Marvel's What If. I t- t- go watch it on Disney Plus. It's amazing. I love it, and uh, it's coming out every week. And unlike Shang Chi, I don't have to move my life around to go see it. So that's a bonus. And you know, I'm excited that we have it, and I hope it. I hope it keeps going. What if forever? <laughs> the possibilities are endless, and so is this show. So go check that out. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening this far, and, um, if you like this show, if you like listening to the stuff I talk about, please, please, please recommend The Panel Biter to people that like podcasts. I'm sure you know at least one person that likes podcasts. Just pass it along. I want more people to listen, not because I have an ego, which I totally do, um, but I don't know, I just, I want more listeners. Is that so bad? Is that so bad, God damn it! Ugh. I gotta go absorb the power of a gnome, so I'll catch you guys later, um, follow me on Facebook and Twitter, and, uh, as always, just stay healthy, stay safe, um, have a good week, I guess, you know what, have a good life, yeah, this ending was very aggressive.